Welcome to the History of California podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Maddox. Today starts a series on the famous Galen Clark, Guardian of Yosemite. This series is going to last a few episodes and will cover his life, his role with Yosemite and the Mariposa Grove, and much more. I hope you enjoy this series, and I'm happy to be back to doing more chronological episodes. Stay tuned for more in the following weeks. Galen Clark was born on a farm in Quebec, Canada in 1814. His father, Jonas, was born in Massachusetts and met his mother, Mary Twitchell, a schoolteacher in New Hampshire. Initially, his family had a mill in New Hampshire before moving to Canada to try his hand at farming. His mother selected the spot for the farm based on its sheer physical beauty, surrounded by woods and based up to a mountain and situated along a winding river. Natural beauty was a part of Galen's life from early on. We know little to nothing specific about Galen's childhood, but we do know generally that the family was impoverished, having survived at least one smallpox epidemic. After a series of unfortunate events and bearing four of their ten children, the Clark family ultimately gave up on their idyllic dreams of farming and moved back to New Hampshire. But the town they moved to is called Dublin, Galen had plenty of natural playgrounds to explore and wander through, including Mount Monad Knock, which continues to be a recreational site to this day, as well as Center Pond, which would often mirror the majestic peak on its crystal water. Surrounding all of this were dense forests filled with every variety of tree and animal. One formative influence that Clark had living in Dublin was the local minister, Levi Leonard, who instilled in Clark a love of learning and reading, who was a person revered by the whole family. Additionally, the schools in Dublin were of the highest quality, and this is where he would have learned his most basic academic skills. As a child, he often wrote poetry and was mostly quiet, reserved, and withdrawn. After school ended for him, Clark was apprenticed to a cousin to learn painting and chair-making. He became intimately familiar with the different kinds of wood, but also how to build all sorts of things, including tables and desks. He wanted to return to be closer to his family and gave up some of his time as an apprentice and enrolled in Melville Academy, just south of Dublin. But while visiting Boston and Philadelphia, he acquired the travel bug and decided to set out west to Missouri. In Missouri, Galen started looking for land and petitioned his family members for money to purchase it and to buy the requisite materials and resources needed to operate it. Clark purchased roughly 160 acres at $4 an acre and was befriended by a local family called the McCoys, who had a farm roughly two miles down the road from him. Clark became permanently attached to the McCoys when he married one of the daughters, Rebecca Marie McCoy. This happy event coincided with a general sense of failure, unfortunately, with his business initiatives, and the remaining events in Missouri are not within the scope of this brief vignette. Most of his plans and ambitions in Missouri came to naught, and in the early 1840s, Clark left Missouri with his wife and moved back east to Philadelphia. The years in Philadelphia were filled with new children, they would have five in total together, but ultimately ended in heartache. Rebecca would die in 1848, nine days after having her fifth child. 
The family, meaning Clark's family, came to immediate support of Clark, both in resources and child care. Clark's parents would ultimately become the guardians of the children when he decided to head west for California in 1853. Clark set sail to California aboard the steamship America, taking him to Panama first. He crossed Panama by train and then later by mule before joining the steamer Uncle Sam to take him the final half of the way to California. He arrived in his ultimate destination on November 27, 1853, in the harbor of San Francisco. But he didn't stay there long. Given the exorbitant prices, he immediately relocated to Oakland. Unlike the rest of the world, Clark wasn't a fan of the air weather in the Bay Area and went looking for warmer climates in the San Joaquin Valley. He ended up in the Mariposa County near the diggings and mines. Galen tried mining, but did not take to it, saying that it was the hardest kind of work. Instead, he worked for the famous Fremont at his ditch company, where he was an assistant, packer, and camp keeper. Clark worked as a surveyor in some capacity and wandered into the canyons and forests of the Sierra Nevada, where he heard stories of the beauty of Yosemite. He was intrigued and had some general disbelief about the existence of Yosemite Falls, given what people were claiming about their height. A small-time journalist, James Hutchings, with the help of native guides, traveled into Yosemite with the artist, Thomas Ayers, who we've talked about before, and made etchings of the valley. Both Hutchings' descriptions and Ayers' arts were published in the local Mariposa newspaper, as well as the San Francisco Chronicle, starting the avalanche, or to use the more apropos term here, glacial interest in seeing the valley with their own eyes. Clark was one of the first tourists to make his way there with a group of miners. His descriptions of the valley into the mountains were published much later, but really capture the awe that many of us feel when we see the canyon with our own eyes for the first time. This journey into the valley was a seminal moment for not only Clark, but all who participated and witnessed the landscape. Soon after, work began in creating a safe horse trail to start accessing it through Mariposa, going through South Fork and ultimately ending up in Yosemite. After his first transcendent experience, Clark returned mostly to his work. But toward the end of 1855, Clark contracted tuberculosis, which killed his wife, and he was advised by his doctor to seek better air at higher elevations. Given his doctor's recommendations, Clark chose to migrate into the mountains and claimed 160 acres near the mouth of Big Creek and used his initial time in the mountains for leisure activities like hunting, hiking, fishing, all the while doing this apparently barefoot. His initial time up in that area was fairly lonely, but he did have native people to keep him company. Local indigenous people showed him which berries to harvest and which trout pools offered the best fishing locations. The location of his initial cabin was often thought to be where the Wawona Hotel is located today, but it was actually across the meadow by a creek. The most common visitors to what became known as Clark Station were the Mann Brothers, three brothers who were working on a horse trail into Yosemite. There was a general sense that the mining world was going to end eventually, so there would need to be a transition to farming, tourism, or some new kind of industry. And sure enough, in 1857, miners migrated to gold strikes in Canada leaving those remaining in California to adapt to a new world without gold mining as the center. That same year, Clark, revived and reinvigorated, launched into building a new cabin at Wawona. 
Receiving help from the mans and native people, Clark assembled the 12 by 16 log cabin, which included bunks and shelves for books, of which he had only a few. A few years earlier, Clark had heard from a hunter about some large redwoods nearby. Clark reasoned that if these trees existed, then people would want to use the Mariposa Trail to get to Yosemite as opposed to other trails into the valley. Clark set out with man to find these hidden giants. Six miles from Clark's station, they found them and stood in awe of the 250-foot giant trees. Clark immediately began to survey the area, finding an upper and lower grove of trees. Clark would discover patches of these large trees in and around modern-day Fresno and Madera counties, and as early as the 1850s, groups began to visit Clark Station, including John C. Fremont and his wife. In addition to Fremont, more and more tourists began to travel to Clark Station. At first, Clark did not charge the tourists anything to be guided into the park, and his approach to this area of land would continue and persist as it ultimately transformed into a national park. During this period, Clark also received tragic news in fairly quick succession. One of Clark's children, Solon, tragically fell through a hole in ice and drowned. He was discovered hours after he had drowned when he did not show up to eat lunch that day. Clark discovered this tragic news through the mail. Meanwhile, this was about the time the United States was entering into the Civil War, and Clark's son Joseph was killed in the Second Battle of Bull Run. Fortunately, another one of his sons, Galen, named after his father, was stationed as a clerk during the war and was safe from gun gunfire. Meanwhile, in California, Yosemite was averaging roughly 100 tourists to visit a year, and Galen was one of the features of their trip. The tourists loved his food and his company and complained that he didn't even charge enough for the former. In 1860, the Mariposa Board of Supervisors approved and paid the Mann Brothers to begin constructing a public toll trail, but a series of floods ultimately delayed the construction and use of that trail. In 1864, Galen began construction of another cabin, this one in the Mariposa Grove to serve as an emergency shelter. It was located near a spring and had a chimney and cooking area. Soon after its completion, it was used by a group of intrepid New England tourists who were caught in a storm. The small cabin would become known as Galen's Hospice. As more and more tourists began to venture into the area and explore the valley and big tree groves, Clark became more and more concerned about the preservation of this natural landscape. His calm push for more safeguards to be put in place to prevent future destruction of this valuable land led ultimately to one of California senators to introduce a bill to Congress in March of 1864. The act would protect the valley going forward from misuse. It would also set aside land in Yosemite and the Mariposa Grove to be used for recreation, resort, and general public use. The federal government ordered a survey of the land, and the governor of California appointed an eight-person commission to manage the Yosemite land grant. Lincoln signed the bill amidst the middle of the Civil War to protect this land and is one of his enduring legacies for California. The commissioners chosen to survey this land were important Californians, some of whom you will recognize, including Frederick Law Olmsted, I.W. Raymond, William Ashburner, among others. The most known amongst the commission, Frederick Law Olmsted, was chosen to chair the board. Olmsted took the job seriously, like all of his park work, 
and his time during the Civil War as an arm of the medical establishment. Clark and Olmsted became close through their work, and Olmsted even accompanied him during fires in the area. Clark appreciated the work of the commission and was eager to conclude the work to deal with the impending enterprise that was already making its way into the valley, while the government was busy settling the survey. James Hutchings, who we mentioned before, a businessman and lover of Yosemite, had come to Yosemite like Clark for his health and had claimed 160 acres for himself. He believed that the U.S. Land Office would ultimately recognize his claim. He worked hard to draw attention to the valley, and his ultimate goal was to turn a profit from tourism to the area. Finally, on May 21, 1866, the Yosemite commissioners met in San Francisco and appointed Galen Clark as the guardian of Yosemite and Mariposa Groves, with a salary attached and the power to appoint sub-guardians to help him with the maintenance of the park. The salary was small and mostly beside the point. He had been granted a position of unique honor and trust by his respected colleagues and would be charged with guarding one of the wonders of the world. Next time, we will continue Clark's story. See you then.